ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. A story of triumph out of a terrible loss. The tragic death of a Queensland cattleman sees his legacy prevail through his 15-year-old neighbour. I collect rocks. I'm like a bowerbird. The shinier, the better. My colleague collects old bottles. I know some people are into stamps or coins. Really, the possibilities of collection are endless, but some collections are easier to store than others, to say nothing of the costs of some of the items people collect. Hello, my name's Ali Felton-Taylor. I want you to meet a 15-year-old schoolgirl from Queensland's Darling Downs. Her collection requires a four-strand barbed wire fence and portable panels, plus hectares of grazing land. And did I mention a good source of water? That's because she has her heart set on collecting cattle. You know, why not bring something different into the farm? And it sort of started from there. I was like, yep, righto. There goes all my life savings. I'm buying some cattle. That's Matilda Heron. And more than just collecting, she wants to breed Santa Gertrudis cattle and create her own stud. Now, Santas, as they're known, are an American breed. Developed on King Ranch in southern Texas. The name is Spanish. They've been in Australia for over 70 years. To give you an idea, if you're staring at them in the paddock, they're cherry red in colour. They're a large beef breed, so a mature bull could weigh around 900 kilograms. A mature cow, anywhere between, say, 600 and 750 kilos. So why Santa cattle? And where does Matilda's passion for breeding come from? At the end of the day, we're breeding for meat. But in saying that, we're also breeding for temperament because no one wants to get hurt in the yards. We're also breeding to suit the country that you're on. Now, every breed isn't going to suit every person or everywhere. You really need those genetics to build up the muscle, the meat, you know, get the exact, you know, quality of your cattle that you want. Then you can go that next further step and get them classified which is why I think I chose Santa Gertrudis as well, because they've gone through such a strict classification process to build the breed up. They are top-notch. All of this is a big call. So are Matilda's parents on board? Sometimes you've got to, what's the saying, risk it to get the biscuit. So we're kind of letting her take the lead on some things and, you know, she'll throw out the suggestion and we'll talk about it, see if we can make it work. And if we can make it work, then we're happy to try and help her out. That's Matilda's mum, Tony Heron. She and her husband, Matt, are pleased to be able to give their daughter this chance to follow her passion. She's very keen. She's all the drive. She's all the initiative. We just kind of support that where we can. It sort of just stemmed from just knowing or understanding the fact that economy plays a big part in it. It all sounds good in, in theory, but when money starts getting involved and having to buy and sell stuff and keeping things happening, what you return for what your outlay is is, is, is a huge consideration. And, and we've since stopped dairying. We pretty much have just been a commercial beef. Always been interested in the stud side of things, but it's uh, one of those things that once you choose to go down the stud side, Predominantly to improve our commercial herd, you've got to, um, you've got to be very committed. We try to support our kids however we can. Yeah, if they can have a crack at it, got to give them a crack. So having supportive parents who are already involved in livestock is more than a head start. But at 15, these are some big financial commitments to make. 
I should point out, both Matt and Tony Heron have jobs off-farm. And even Matilda herself says she has a part-time job to support her cattle habit. But Matilda's opportunity to start a stud happened very unexpectedly. We lost our neighbour and that was pretty heartbreaking at a young age. And so the opportunity came out to help his family really with the whole farm. So we were over there helping them a fair bit. And then, yeah, listed his cattle up for sale and we were like, well, why not? This is livestock and the livestock game in the last little while, especially for stud cattle, has been through the roof. And just understanding that and knowing how much you were going to outlay and and what you could afford, how did that process work? Well, um, I've always been involved with raising some potties on the farm. And about three years ago, I raised a little guy and then we kept him as a bull. And so that really benefited me. Like We put him over the commercial herd for a couple of years and then we sold him off to a neighbour and obviously that money helped out tremendously and always had that part-time job and saving up that money. And it's a big decision really to outpool your whole life savings and just say, well, let's do it. But I think it's worth it at the end of the day if you're passionate about it. And then the day finally came. Matilda took delivery of her small herd and the significance of that was felt by all. That day was an emotional day, I would say. Our neighbour, his mother and sister were also there, which I hadn't met before. So to see their son, their brother's hard work being taken off was, yeah, pretty emotional. But also emotional for me, knowing that now I'm getting that start and they are the people that have really, like, they are the people that have helped me more than anyone else. You feel like you've taken on the work that that he's done, that he's left behind, really. That's important to you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the young bull that we brought, he's been named Chris's Legacy. So these all came from Grimsville Park, which was a fairly new operation. These are his genetics, and I hope that... I'm taking these guys on to live out his legacy, hopefully, and I'm doing him proud by doing so because this was his passion also. This was his dream. He he was very passionate and keen to make a difference and choose Santa Gertrudis for a reason. Still, making a starter going concern takes years. And in the interim, for some without substantial financial backing, having an off-farm job is a must. Meet Daniel Ford. He lives about an hour from Matilda. He's got a Charbray stud with his four siblings, his two younger brothers and older sister. It's called Lone Star Charbrays. So the Ford siblings have 40 head and already have sold bulls at the National Charbray sale. But Daniel explains he works full-time as an apprentice boilermaker at nearby Jandawi. Well, for my job, that's it's bringing in the money so we can grow as a herd and um, buy different genetics. And, and yeah, is that what you've got to do to to fund your passion? Oh well, yeah, buying buying heifers in mainly, and some people spend a lot of money and try buying a large amount to start with. But if you spend a little bit more on on less and they're more consistent, well, you're going to get further in the future. How do you know when the time's right? What what sort of things would would make it right? If you feel you got that money and you can get some land and start a stud or commercial stud, yeah, 
That's the time. So in any business, remaining viable is the key. And some of the best-known names in the Sandiga Trudis game have had to work extra jobs while establishing their studs. Alice Greenup and her husband Rick have Greenup Eidsvold Station and now run over 6,000 head of Santa cattle. They took a non-traditional approach to create their business. In 2006, with a small stud already established, they struck a deal for what is now Australia's oldest Santa stud in a four-year lease-to-buy arrangement of Eidsvold Station. Alice and Rick Greenup also have the longest-running, objectively performance-recorded herd. They measure thousands of data records each year, basically delivering what the market wants. So how do you make a stud a success? It's got to be more than just choosing handsome-looking cattle. Rick and I started out, you know, with some cattle that we, we purchased from the Fairfaxes and then we got some cattle from the Rosewell stud as part of a family succession. But the majority of our herd we purchased from Eidswold Station and Rick and I worked two jobs for many years, both of us working two jobs for many years to pay for that investment. And it's really with the passage of time that that investment prevails, but it also only prevails if you stick to what you're trying to breed and have your standards. And that can be really challenging in an industry. And particularly when you're starting out, you, you know, the challenge of wanting to keep everything because you've worked so hard, but then also culling things that really need to be culled for whatever their issues are and, and, and bringing in those genetics that you know are going to build on what you're growing genetically not take away from that so that that's a really hard challenge and then I think that the challenge is knowing your standards and then really holding to those standards which can really hurt when you're trying to build a herd but it will prevail it's like compound interest and and investments it just really will prevail over time if you look at your at all in your genetics like any other investment. Many stud breeders say science is an integral part of the industry's future, including Beck Burnham. Now, she breeds Brahmin cattle. It's a breed renowned for its toughness. And she completed a Nuffield scholarship on optimising beef genetic selection in northern Australia. She says genetic evaluation tools like Breed Plan have been around for 40 years. It measures things on farm. Sometimes things you may not expect to be relevant. Maybe a scrotal measurement tells us quite a lot of information about the daughters, say, of a bull and and what their fertility would be like. These measures are fed into the genetic evaluation. They give us some more predictability on the type of animal that that sire may breed into the future. I think the big thing with breed plan is, is that it takes us sometimes up to five years to really understand the strength of a sire with his daughters going on to how quickly they fall in calf or not, and that information feeds back. So that sire can be quite old, and this is where genomics is exciting because it actually can give us some information on this suitability of the sire for your operation a lot earlier. I like to sort of think it gives us a look under the skin or under the bonnet or the hood of a car but under the skin of an animal where we can yeah learn a bit more about or predict what that animal might be able to do say for, like fertility it's a, a non-visual trait or 
feed efficiency or carcass yield, um, eating quality especially. Yeah, all of those traits are more predictable through breed plan evaluations. Beck Burnham explains measuring the animal lets them give a guarantee of a genetic standard. You see many sales now that you have nearly a full catalogue full of breed plan data, albeit mainly genomics-based, but still that gives us some idea of the potential of the animal. Even if it is operating at 40% accuracy, it's more information than we had with nothing. But what about what the public wants? I mean, one thing we do know is a huge portion want what's good for the planet. Leading livestock operations, be it poultry, you know, pigs, dairy, like they're all focused on breeding animals that not only achieve profitability for their businesses, that fulfilled the environmental and consumer expectation goals. And it was all underpinned by the same type of things. And that was, you know, a, a clear long-term breeding objective, ongoing like measurement, genotyping, genetic evaluation, like we've got here in Australia, breed plan, and basically the use of all the genetic tools available. So that's all ahead of Matilda Heron in her future as part of the stud beef sector. But the first decision she has to make is what to call her stud. Not one to leave anything to chance, she sought help online. Yeah, so there's an awesome group on Facebook, which I would recommend to absolutely everyone. I sort of put on there, hey girls, I'm not creative. I need a name for my stud. Help me out, please. And I had a couple of hundred comments flow through of not only name suggestions, which overwhelmed me, but just kind and supportive words of even people that are pretty high up in this stud game. I was absolutely blown away and shocked that agriculture is such a supportive community when you get the right people. It really blew me away. So after lots of input and long deliberations, what name did Matilda go with? I think we've decided on Tilda Santa Gertrudis. Tilda being, well, my name mixed in together. So Matilda and then the H at the end, so M-A-T-I-L-D-A-H representing that this is my roots, like Heron, Heron Downs. It's my parents that have supported me along the way. My roots are here. And it just reminds me of where I started and my connection to the land. Breeder Alice Greenup was one of many people who commented on Matilda's online post and wishes her all the best. I love that she's going to go with Tilda H. We call ourselves Greenup Stud and also, of course, Eyeswalt Station, which was the second stud and now the oldest. So we didn't want to lose that. But I think it's great to leverage off your own reputation like she's going to do because at the end of the day the longevity of breeding cattle and stud cattle is about your integrity and your standards and and if you're going to back your product then then to do that with your own name is probably you know such a strong thing to do so credit to her for for backing herself that way. So with the stud name decided for her five head of cattle that's two cows that are already in calf two heifer calves plus the bull Chris's legacy There's no rest for Matilda as she starts to progress to register her stud. She's actually already made contact with the Breeders Association. I've talked to them. They're very helpful and supportive people. So register, sign up, become part of that group, register your stud, and then I guess you register each of your cattle, which some of them already are being brought in. And then you, yeah, I guess have them all registered, have them all to your name. Our next step will be about in May, looking for some semen and going to try AI, which is a first for the farm here. So going to look into finding some quality genetics of a bull that I like. 
yeah, we'll go from there. Hope for another lot of calves. And what about Chris's legacy? What's his role in the next little while? Well, Mr C, as we call him, he'll be a big part, actually. He'll go over the commercial herd and he'll also probably go over a couple of the cows that aren't, of course, any relation or blood to him. It's been a big focus of the whole thing. Sounds like you're firmly planted in the realm of agriculture, though. That's, um, that's what you're keen on. Yeah, there's no pushing me out of, I think. It's a lifelong dream and I think I'm sort of stuck here now. <laughs> the sheer delight that is Matilda Heron, and she's given an update just this Saturday saying Tilda H. Santa Gertrudis is seeing fresh bubbers hitting the ground, thick and fast, exactly as we hoped, beautiful and healthy, four heifers and one bull calf.